Upon further review. Upon further review. Welcome to Upon Further Review, your weekly uptake of hot topics across the National Hockey League. Powered by your hosts, Angelo Ricci and Stefan Bianchi. If you were a star player in the NHL who, not too recently, had multiple back surgeries and missed significant chunks of the regular season, and then finally won a cup with a crippled back, like, would you be upset if a player with seven games of NHL experience decked you in the corner during a preseason <laughs> game like a second or two after you released the puck? Would you be mad? We're talking about the Mark Stone incident. Obviously, I'm. Yes. I would if I was Mark Stone in that very special situation. I would be very upset. Like I've always been interested in like what the norms are in preseason because you have a very mix. Like there's a very different differential mix of incentives. I came out wrong, but like there's guys who are established in their career that are just trying to get their form back. They're trying to get the rust off. Guys like Mark Stone. Yeah, and then there's guys that are you know, fighting for that last roster spot and are trying to do anything they can to impress a coach. Um, yeah. So when you have two different guys that are doing things like that, you're going to get these types of situations where a guy who's extremely desperate to play in the NHL rocks a guy who's yeah. like pretty much, he's a star in the NHL. In yeah, that situation, I, if I'm Mark Stone, I'm pissed at the fact that everybody knows my back is broken and he's trying to destroy me. But I understand where that guy's coming from. He's got what seven games of experience. You said. Yeah, we're talking about Hayden Hodgson. Plays for the plays for the Kings, or he's on a camp with the Kings. Yeah, he's a career minor leaguer, seven NHL games. Um, obviously, yeah, trying to get himself noticed, and he just wrecks Mark Stone in the corner. It, okay, it was a good hit. It was a really it good was, hit. I think it was clean. It may be like a tad late, but it was clean. It wasn't like a hit to the head. He just got rocked. Yeah. What did Mark Stone say in the post game oh conference? He, denigrated him yeah he, he was <laughs> he said he said i think it's gonna be the last time i have to play that guy yeah. anyway so it's okay i mean th- th- there is a respect thing here like i know i know you're trying to do whatever you can to get into the lineup but mark stone just came off winning a cup he's notorious for being one of the guys in the nhl that batters battles the most injury out of anyone in the nhl maybe just label a guy that's not mark stone i can see where mark stone's coming from but by another thought Maybe that guy wasn't getting that much ice time in that game, and that's the only yeah. chance he had to make a difference. So he goes and lays him out. And if that gets him a roster spot, then it gets him a roster spot. Even if not a roster spot, but like I don't think he's going to make the Kings. The Kings are so deep, but if that makes him like the first or second call up, who knows? Like the coach likes that. I don't know. I, I guess you can see both sides. But like Stone got up, and you know when Mark Stone gets angry, he gets like he looks like a pug. He gets an underbite, and he's like, "I'm going to kill you." He like jumped on this guy. There was I think there was three knights fighting him at one point. But then, if you saw the video, he finds Brent Clark, and he's just. Have you seen this video? I have, I've seen he, the hit, not the end so of the video. He finds Brent Clark, and he grabs him by the scruff of his neck, and he literally starts yelling at him. I couldn't read his lips, but it it was it looked like he's like, "I'm going to take your head. I'm going to kill you." Like. Blah blah blah. F this, f that. Even though Brand Clark didn't do anything, Brand Clark was literally like, like you guys can't see the face I'm making, but I'm gonna show Angelo. He was like, <laughs> he was literally a deer in headlights. You have, you have to watch this video if you haven't already. And Brand Brand Clark is my guy. So yeah, you love Mark Brent, Stone, man. like, chill. Mark Stone's a my little guy. Bit. Mark Stone's my guy though. Mark Stone is your guy, but but okay, grabbing a rookie who's playing, I don't know, just trying to find his footing in the NHL, and. Taking your anger out on him seems pretty excessive, if you ask me. 
Yeah, I agree. So is there an unwritten rule that you do not hit established guys in the league in the preseason? I mean, no, I'd, I'd be angry if I was Mark Stone too. I think he just went overboard in his reaction. But there's got to be, I guess, some respect. Do you think he would have done that to Sid? I don't know. I don't know. I think in the heat of the moment, that guy, if he, in the, I don't know um, his style of play, but if he's a guy that finishes checks, you probably just see red when yeah. you see a guy in the corner there. You can lay out in a clean fashion. doesn't matter who it is. That's true. If, he didn't know, oh, it's Stone. I got to lay up. Yeah, like if, he's, if Connor McDavid comes through the middle in a preseason game and you, like, Nicholas Cronwall oh. is that, and it was clean, is that something that you just don't do, especially for a guy that's trying to make a team? I don't know. It's tough because then you have, I think, objectively, it's probably fine. It's a clean hit, but then you're, like, you're black. You're like blacklisted. Everyone will hate you. Yeah, it's also like, are the is the preseason not? Are they not tune up games, or are they games for guys to make teams? Like that's the Both. problem. It's it, right. So you have one camp of fans who will be like, it's a respect thing. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll be on that side, and then you'll get, you know, we all know these types of hockey fans. It's like, oh, don't be soft. Like, yeah, you know, if he's if he's not playing hundred percent, don't play. Which is just obviously not true. Everyone's playing with something. Yeah. So even uh, Marshan came out. They asked him for some reason. They asked him about this. Greg is always willing to talk, but he was kind of said what we're saying. He's like, well, I'd be pissed if I was Mark Stone too. Like, guys always hurt. But also this guy's trying to make a roster. So, like, I guess even established NHLers are like, have the same, are in the same two minds. Yeah. But I guarantee you if Marshawn got laid out, he'd be ready to swing a stick at someone's head. So, I mean. I think it'd be a, an objective problem if an established second liner in the preseason okay. laid out a star because he's not trying to make That's a true. team, right? But if it's a guy who's in and out of the roster, then there's a bit more of a gray area. Like you said, he's going to have a target on his back for the rest of his career. But maybe that's something that works for him. He has his name in the media. It's something that, like, you know, his coach remembers. And like you said, if someone gets hurt, he's the first guy that gets called up. So I understand it from his point of view. It was a, it was a clean hit. There was no penalty on the play. But also, like, Ma- Mark Stone is the epitome of injury prone. Yeah. And we even saw it in the—was it the Western Conference Finals last year? Whenever he'd get in front of the net, they would— destroy his back yeah, with cross checks cross-checks it's like the xylophone on his yeah, back yeah it's, this is like this this was an on steroids version of remember when matthews and scott sabrin yes got, and he like looked at his back he and said, then who after are was you? like who the hell are yeah. you this one was like who the hell are you but you almost put me back on yeah. the on the operating table like, and and to be fair no one would have known who Scott Sabrin was if that didn't no, happen. And he ended up on the Leafs at some point, yeah. too. <laughs> like, nobody would have known about him. That's actually such a, what's the nice way to say it? Like a big energy play for Matthews. Just to be like, yeah. who, who are you? Who you are look you? back at look his at number. Your num- at your name so, and number. That's such a Matthews thing to do. It is. Okay, well, since we're already talking about Matthews, let's just jump over to the Leafs quickly. Um, looks like they want to try him on the PK. What do you think? I think they're trying to make Matthews become, and he already is a superstar, and I think he's just so good offensively that his defensive metrics kind of get put out of the limelight, and also the fact that he doesn't play penalty kill. A lot of guys are reluctant to say he's a very stellar defensive um, forward, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I think maybe this might might be Sheldon Keefe trying to get Austin Matthews into the limelight being more of a star two-way player because the only, like, like we said, every year we say, is Matthews a Selkie-type Center, 
And the the valid argument you always bring up is, you know, he doesn't play penalty kill, and that's a problem. So I wonder if Sheldon Keefe is doing this to try to get Matthews to become, like, labeled as an offensive, but also a great two-way player. And I also think it's a good way to just get him into the game when, you're pe- yeah. when you have penalty trouble, right? I mean, last year, I think it was in the playoffs, too. We, there was a game we took, like, three or four penalties in the first, and Matthews got, like, three minutes in the first period. Yeah. For guys like that, you need to get them into the game. And if he plays three minutes and comes out in the second, even if he's playing a lot of even strength, he's not going to have his legs under him. So I think maybe this is a way to keep his legs under him in big games where you go on the PK early. I don't know. I kind of like it. Okay, before I I give my take, which is kind of similar to yours, do you think someone needs to play on the PK to win the Selkie? Do you think that needs to be? Probably. Okay, why? Because I think the, the the hardest defensive thing to do in the NHL is to kill a penalty. Like you're by definition down a man and you're exclusively playing defense. Like it's easier to play defense five on five because there's always a guy to bail you out if you lose your man. Like Austin Matthews loses his man in the corner and the guy drives the net. You're going to have the, the offhanded defenseman there to take his spot. But on the penalty kill, you get exposed defensively when you okay. don't play well, right? So. I think the true test of a player's ability to play defense is on the penalty kill. And if you don't do that, it's tough to say you're elite defensively. Okay. But then what if someone were to argue that playing on the PK is a lot, a lot of it's down to structure. And if yeah. you're put in a good structure and you listen to what the coach wants you to do, you'll have some success. That's true. But you can, you can say that about any part of the game, like a player's yeah. ability to score is also part of structure. Like if, if the schemes aren't you, if the schemes aren't made for you to be the guy in the slot, you're not going to score as much. So okay. you can use that argument for anything. I guess, but it wouldn't it also, I think it's probably harder to shut a guy down for 20 minutes of even strength time. Like if you're playing against, you're getting matched up against every player's first line center and if you're able to keep them quiet, I feel like that's, that should outweigh PK. Like if you're that good 5v5, you shouldn't have to play PK to justify that. I'm not saying Matthews is that guy 5v5, five five, but like he is showing that he can keep guys quiet. I agree, but the guys who win Selkies do both of those. Like they kill yeah, penalties and true. they also shut down so guys at five on five. He doesn't have that tiebreaker. No, yeah, but I, I agree. A crucial component of your ability to be a Selkie level center is that you need to shut down guys five on five. I think that's probably the most important stat they look at when you play Selkie, mm-hmm. when, when you're voting for a Selkie. But you can't look at that if you don't kill penalties, in my opinion. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. No, but overall, I do like this too. You get them more ice time and all the other best players in the league and all the other Selkie winners, like you said, kill penalties. Like McDavid, Dreisaitl, Marner, Aho, Barkov, Brad Marchand, they all, like they all kill penalties and they're all good at it. So if he, yeah, if he wants to kind of make a name for himself in that department, this would be the way to do it. And honestly, now a lot, like the best PKs are also threats going forward. Like the Leafs shorthanded, have scored a fair few shorthanded goals the last few seasons. Carolina's, penalty kill they call the power kill because they smother you and they <laughs> get chances going the other way when they have a you have a winger playing on defense so i think if they're able to to make up to even be a threat offensively that'll mess up other teams power plays as well yeah there's so all those guys that you mentioned versus matthews there's one crucial difference between matthews and those guys and i think that's the one downside to playing them on the penalty kill mm-hmm. can you can you guess what that is no matthews is so injury prone and oh, okay, one fair. of the the biggest problem is that he keeps hurting like his shoulder and his wrist things that are very amenable to being hurt by blocking a shot he like led the league and block shots among forwards last year too. really yeah so he's risky so 
you can you can use that as an argument to say, oh, he can block shots and not get hurt, or you can or, say Austin Matthews loves blocking shots and he's going to block double yeah, of them. Yeah, he's going to block more, and they're going to be one timers. And if he blocks a one timer off the wrist, is it really worth? Austin Matthews missing 15 to 20 games and battling a wrist injury to get him on the ice more. Like, I think that's the reason they haven't played him on the penalty kill up until this point in his career. Yeah. But I think, and honestly, I, I don't remember what game it is, but I distinctly remember watching a playoff game with my buddies and Austin didn't play almost the entire first period because we took four penalties. I wonder if that was the turning point where Sheldon Keefe goes like, we need yeah. to start playing them because for the second and third period of that game, I think it was against the Panthers. It might have been game two or three. He was invisible, and it was probably because he sat on the bench for the first 20 minutes. I don't know what their thought process is, but if Austin Matthews gets hurt on the penalty kill by blocking like a Mark Giordano shot to the face, like a Mark Giordano-type block to the face, yeah, he's never playing penalty kill again. Well, I think that's definitely a consideration, but also they every offseason they lose penalty killers. This year they lost... Achari, who was huge for them, lost Engvall at that deadline. Like they always lose penalty killers. And yes, you can sign penalty killers in free agency, but why not just have another one of your players who already plays there play the PK? Yeah, he's also a big guy. He's yeah. agile. Like you said, he's he blocks shots. He's a big body. Like He's the ideal guy to put on a penalty kill, also because he's very responsible defensively. Yeah. It's just, are you willing to risk the fact that an injury-prone player gets hurt again? And Yeah. I don't know. If I was Sheldon Keefe personally... I wouldn't play him on the pen. I would play him on the penalty kill very sparsely, so I know he has the capacity to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't play him regularly, and then in games where I see that we've taken three penalties early, I'll play him on the third penalty kill just to get his legs under him. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to be going out there. He shouldn't be going out there first line PK with not even, Marner. Not even second. No, to be I agree. Yeah. Yeah, you throw him in there for like the third penalty kill, and then even like if the um, power play is not used to him being there, he's a different look. If they get a chance. Yeah, we have so many guys that can play on power play one now. If we take a penalty and Austin Matthews kills it and then we immediately go on a power play, you can have Matthew Nyes play PP1 for the first 30 seconds. Matthews gets yeah. a break and then he comes on. I mean, here's the question, though. If Matthews plays penalty kill consistently, is he a threat to win the Selkie now? I mean, he's gotten votes for the Selkie before. I think if he you know, can improve, continue to improve on his defense, 5v5, and then show to be an effective penalty killer and actually kills a significant percentage of the least penalties, then I think absolutely he can get into the conversation. I don't think that would be shocking at all. Yeah, I agree because defensively, according to 5-on-5 metrics, he's one of the better offensive, sorry, defensive centermen in the NHL. Just every year, Patrice Bergeron is so much better than everyone. He always wins. But Matthews is honestly pretty comparable with Sasha Barkov. Like statistically, the only thing holding him back, like you said, is he doesn't kill penalties. If If his penalty kill percentage is relatively good this year and he puts up 40 to 45 goals, you can't tell me he's not the best two way center in the NHL. And by definition, the Selkie Trophy is the best two way defense centerman in the NHL, right? It's not the best defensive forward is that correct i'm pretty sure right so if according to that definition you need to factor a guy's ability to play offense like theoretically the best defensive forward in the nhl if he put up five points a year shouldn't be winning the selkie according to that definition right but the issue is is that whenever we talk about defensive forwards we're always factoring in just their defense we never consider their offensive metrics so if if austin matthews plays penalty kill now he's a good defensive forward and he also wins the rocket how does he not win the selkie i think you would have a pretty strong argument yeah i think you would austin matthews is the best player in the nhl best player in nhl history whoa easy (laughs) come on the pot whoa (laughs) 
We already we, we already slandered his hairline. He's not coming on. I've DM'd him like four times. He just won't answer me. Does he open them? No. No. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> it hurts. They're in his junk. Yeah. Damn okay. It. Well, when we make it, when, when we get a little bigger, maybe we'll be able to get through to him. Yep. Um, another thing about the Leafs though is like Klingberg seems like he's gonna start on PP one instead of Mo. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that. When again like, preseason when they were having their full roster do practices, like the five were Klingberg. Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and Nylander. Riley wasn't there. Do you like it? Um, yeah, I think it's actually necessary to do it this way. Because you paid Klingberg $4 million. I know it's one year, but $4 million is not cheap. And if you want to get the most out of him, you, he needs to play power play. Like He is not reliable and good enough 5-on-5 five five for that to be his sole purpose. Because playing PP2, you're going to get 30, 30 seconds, maybe 45 if you're lucky on the Leafs. And that'll be once a team is iced it. So it's really like 25 seconds of ozone time. You're not getting that much to work with. Um, and Klingberg has been one of the best pure offensive defensemen in the NHL for a number of years. And he's going to be, pl- and on this team, he'll have the best set of power play weapons he's ever had. Oh, like, for sure. No disrespect to the Dallas teams that he played on, but Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander are miles better than anybody that he would have played with on the Stars. Like yeah. Sagan, Ben. Robertson wasn't even that good when he was there. Or he was not the player he is now. It's going to be just different. And I think you just need to put him in that position so he can actually have success and maybe gain a little bit of confidence. I agree, but I hate that argument. It's used all the time that like if, if you want to get the most out of this player, you pay them to do it. Didn't you just pay him to be more of an offensive force? Like If Morgan Riley is still the better offensive defenseman, do you not play him PP1? Mm-hmm. Morgan Morgan Riley is coming off the best hockey of his career in those yeah. playoffs. Didn't he have like was great. five or six goals or yeah, something stupid like that? One of, had a bunch of game winners that rocket short side off Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. He was anchoring that power play one. I understand what you're saying. Like Klimberg is the better. He's probably better on the power play than Riley is just because his slap shot's like one of the hardest slap shots in the NHL. Um, but Morgan Riley is coming off some great hockey. Yeah, but I think the option to go back to Mo is always there. Yeah. And you know that works and you can fall back on it, but I think you just have to give him the chance to do it. And when Barry was here, it was like the exact same situation. Everyone hated Barry because he's just he's a liability defensively. Yeah. And if he's not being used in the power play, what does he do for you? Yeah. At least Mo is better. He's not by no means like a stalwart defensively. It's average. But he can play defense to some degree and still carry five on five where yeah. I just don't think Klingberg is that guy. It's fair. So if you want him to feel confident and you want fans to not hate his guts like we did with Barry a lot of the time because he was just giving up muffins and then not doing anything, I think you just have to give him that chance. And honestly, I think Mo's just a good dude for letting that happen. Yeah. Because I feel like in other sports, if they said, we sign this free agent and he's going to take your spot on like X thing and like, I don't know, there's no equivalent of power play in other sports, but... They said you're going to get more minutes in you. We're going to play him in these situations, blah, blah, blah. Like a player would maybe understandably be like, what the heck? No, you're not. Yeah. This guy's never played here. I've been here for 10, 12 years. This is my team. No, I but agree. What if a Matthews, a Nylander, a Marner, a Tavares goes down in the season for 10, 15 games? Ooh. Do the Leafs put Morgan Riley on the power play and go 2D? Or did they throw like Tyler Bertuzzi on PP1 or Matthew Nice? I think I think the Leafs would be willing to try it because yeah. they're definitely one of the more team teams that are more willing to experiment than others. Um, I feel like if the drop off between PP one and PP two was huge, that they just didn't have anybody else that could play, then then yeah. But I think you just throw Bertuzzi in front of the net, move Tavares out to where he can shoot the puck, or move Willio instead of playing 
in the uh, in the bumper. Like they have so much so much talent that I think you you just put Bertuzzi in front of the net and shuffle things around. But I mean, they could easily go too deep. They're both two of the best power play defensemen in the league. So, what would you do? I'm a huge fan of Matthew Nyes. I think you got to give that guy as much. As you much want over Bertuzzi? Yeah. I, I think you just got to okay. give him as much as a chance to develop as possible. Like, listen, Tyler Bertuzzi, probably at this point in his career, is a better offensive player than Matthew yeah. Nice. People forget Tyler Bertuzzi has had a 30-goal season. I think he has two 25-goal seasons, or he's in the low 20s for two years. But he has a 30-goal season under his belt. He's probably the better option. But when you look at it from the Leafs' perspective, Matthew Nice is your next elite type of player. Like, we'll talk about this. He showed it last year in the playoffs. He is a force physically. He yeah. can score. He's not going to get many chances to be on the power play one this year and even if he's on power play two like you said there's a bit more scrubs on that power play two they're going to play 35 seconds how many scoring chances does he get on the power play a game half of one if he's lucky if that, yeah if, if a guy goes down you got to give him a chance to develop and it's not like you're putting a guy who's a liability there for the sake of developing matthew nice can hold his own he can he's score good. Um. Yeah. He, he's he's your next guy. He's probably honestly he's probably your next captain because John Tavares is going to be the captain for as long as Austin Matthews is here for the next five years. And if Austin Matthews doesn't sign back, I know five years away, Matthew Nice is going to be that guy. Maybe. Yeah. Definitely has the potential. I would love for him to stick around that long. What the heck? Uh, obviously, if Math if if Austin Matthews stays, he's going to be the next captain. But what I'm saying is Matthew Nice is your future, right? Yeah. Like your like long term future. Yeah. For sure. We're just going to take a brief minute to shut out the sponsor of today's episode, SeatGeek. Looking to enjoy a night out with some friends watching a sports game, concert, comedy show, or music festival? Hit up SeatGeek, an app that helps you find tickets in the cheapest and simplest possible way. By visiting their site, you can see events happening near you, and within one click can instantly get access to tickets at the cheapest possible price. With SeatGeek's price grading system, you can instantly find out whether you're getting a bargain on the tickets you buy. At checkout, be sure to enter code UFRPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. Visit SeatGeek today and revolutionize the way you buy tickets. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to... Not throw you off guard, but we didn't prepare for this. So I wanted to just ask you off the cuff. This like this Leafs team looks like pretty damn good on paper. But if there's one thing that concerns you about it heading into the season, what would you say well, that it's is? It's goaltending. It's goaltending okay. every single year. The Leafs have ne- I've said this a million times. The Leafs have never had a stud goalie to take with them in a playoff run with this core. This core on paper is good enough to win a cup. And every year it's the same thing. You can throw Campbell in there. You can throw Freddie Anderson in there. You can throw Ilya Samsonov in there. Every single year you have a goalie who puts up a 920, 925 in the regular season. Looks like he's like fifth or sixth in Vesna voting. And then for some year, for some reason in the playoffs, is an 895 with a goals against a four. Like, remember yeah. Jack Campbell fell off the map? Ilya yeah. Samsonov was pretty mediocre in the playoffs last year. And the Leafs are just not good enough defensively to be able to have a mediocre goalie like the Avs were that year when they won with mm-hmm. Kemper. Um, the Leafs beat you by scoring more goals than you. And in the playoffs, we know all time and time again, we said this all the time, offense dries up. If the Leafs get scored on three times in a playoff game, they're not going to win a series, and that's how we lose every single year. I was yeah. kind of hoping that the Leafs were going to go out and make a move for a big goalie. Samsonov coming back isn't a bad thing because statistically he's good, but do you think Ilya Samsonov is good enough to win you a cup on a team that isn't the Colorado Avalanche? I don't know. 
What's your biggest hole on this team? It was goaltending as well. It was just more... I wasn't even thinking playoffs, to be honest. But that's probably the more valid point. I was thinking that at at some point, Samsonov is going to get hurt. Yep. He gets hurt almost every season. Last season, he missed a chunk of time. Only played 40-something games. And I, I've been on the record, even up late last year, saying I really like Joseph Wool. Good. But... Is Joseph Wall ready to play anywhere from 35 to 45 games, depending on Samsonov's health? Like going from, yes, he played 11 or 12 regular season games and was very good in those 11 or 12 regular season games, but the Leafs had a playoff spot locked up by then. The pressure wasn't really on him because he knew that realistically he was a third choice goalie with Matt Murray still there. Now he is the second, he's the backup goalie, potentially a 1A, 1B type situation, depending on Samsonov's health. And I just, I don't worry because I know he's a good goalie. I'm just intrigued to see how he handles that increased load because he's not playing 12 games. He will be playing at least 30, even if Samsonov is healthy. He's young, though, so he probably has the endurance to do it's it. More, I'm not talking physical. I'm talking like mental. If you have a, you know, if Samsonov goes down for two weeks with a with a groin strain, two to three weeks, like he's going to be playing ostensibly what nine ten games in a row like that's not something he would have ever done in his career true but at some point you got to make that jump but yeah. I, I agree is is it reasonable to assume a guy can make that jump with this amount of pressure? like he's on a win now team right yes usually yeah. usually goalies that start to get more playing time like you said do it on like the chicago blackhawks where games don't really matter yeah um but hey joseph walsh showed in the playoffs that show he, he was did. good he was good i i think the likelihood of him being successful this year is greater than that of him failing it's Me just too. the fact that the, they're relying a lot on him and he hasn't like established himself as an nhl goalie yet is like a slight cause for concern but i guess if your backup goalie is your biggest concern on a team then you're probably in good in a good space yeah I, I agree and another problem i have is that there's this recent trend in the nhl about moving towards goalie tandems where yeah. no one is playing like 65 games anymore like there's no more martin broder type of guys that play the entire season yes. and i'm sorry like this might be a hot take of mine but goalie tandems don't work I, I don't think they do because you have guys who are extremely hot that are playing but they know that as soon as they go cold they're going to be thrown on the bench and you don't have a guy who has enough confidence to say maybe i can have one or two weeks of bad hockey and still be trusted enough to be in the net and honestly i think that translates to guys playing scared guys playing in their net and if you want to look at it, has there ever been a goalie tandem that's won a cup? I can't. I genuinely can't think of one. When the Blues won it, Bennington was their guy. When the Avs won it, Kemper was their guy. Who? I mean, last year I guess was the first time that it happened with um. Oh my gosh, what's his name? He was unbelievable. The Golden. Knights. Oh yeah, Aiden Hill. But he played the whole playoffs. He did. He played the whole playoffs, and Bobrovsky played the whole playoffs as well. Like there, you, I just don't see a team winning a cup who will have like a goalie playing two games. He plays like crap. Another goalie plays two games. Like. But didn't the um, they they tried two teams tried that didn't um the Canes do that they flip flopped some goalies and I know for a fact that Dean Evison did that in Minnesota because Philip Gustafson stood on his head made like forty five saves and won like a two one game and then he put Flurry in the next game before he got lit up yeah and not not to to be kind of like tongue in cheek here but how many cups do those teams have right like the well none yet that's the issue is like I I just, I haven't seen a tandem win a cup. But do you? Th but I think what they're really just banking on is is that, like Vasilevsky doesn't like they don't grow on trees. They don't really exist. There's probably five guys in the league who can play 60 games and then still be good in the playoffs. I think teams are just thinking like if we have a guy in mind, like if we get him 45 games and then the postseason he's ready, 
that's that's I think that's their thinking. It hasn't quite yet worked though. Fair. I'm just talking about like there there are some teams where I, when I ask you who is the starting goalie of you that don't have team, an answer. you don't have, and those teams do not they just don't win Stanley Cups. Yeah, Carolina is one of those teams. Yeah, and maybe the like the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the the underlying variable there isn't that goalie tandems don't win cups. It's teams with non-great goalies don't win cups and then they have to play a yeah, tandem because they're not good fair. enough. It might be that. Um, but it just seems to me that some general managers like Dubis towards the, the end of his tenure in Toronto, like purposely go out and try to make teams with tandems. Like he yeah. said that, right? He's like, I don't want to start in goalie. I'm going to have two goalies that are serviceable. And when you think of it that way, I mean, those guys don't really win yeah. cups. I think during the regular season, that's effective. Yeah. But then once the playoff comes, you just, like, you need that guy. And yeah. There's, but there's only five of them, like Vasilevsky, Ottinger, Sorokin, Shesterkin. Am I missing one? Hellebuck, maybe? Oh, there's one more big Russian goalie. I can't remember now. Sorokin. Shesty. Shesty. And, Vazie. oh, Vaz- you didn't say yeah. Shesterkin. Did you say Shesterkin? Okay, so then, no, you're not missing one. And then even maybe Soros, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But, like, right? That's, I don't know what percentages are, but that's, like, less than a quarter, of the, like, a quarter of the league. Less than a quarter of the league can have. A true number one. Yeah, I think like I think the biggest problem with it is that when you have a number one goalie, when he plays like crap for two games, he has the opportunity to come back out and get a good game under his belt. And then he starts going, Wow, I have the capacity to play well when I've been bad for two games. When a guy in a tandem plays crappy for two games, he sits on the bench. Yeah. So now when you go to the playoffs and your goalie plays like crap game one and game two, he doesn't have the confidence to go back out and say, I can get you a you know, a one goal game and to be True. like, right. They, and then you have to put a guy who sat the first two games mm-hmm. and is cold. And if he gets lit up, what are you going to switch goalies every single game? Yeah. We see that. What's that stat with Vasilevsky coming off a loss in the playoffs? He's oh, like 15 yeah. and Oh, it's ridiculous. Do you not think that something has to like, one of the things that caused that stat is that he's just been given the reins to that net for so long. He's become used to being like, I'm not yeah. going to have a bad game when I've played bad already. And the team trusts him. Exactly. That's yeah. another thing. When when Ilya Samsonov played like crap in the playoffs last year, we would all go, oh, God, if he plays like crap again, who are we going to put in the net? Yeah. Versus if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you're going, Vasky played like crap. I'm more confident this game because I know he's so good coming off a loss. That's true. Yeah. I don't. And Vasky, I think both times that they played the Leafs, he started off really poorly. But then towards the end of the seat, like he got better every game to where he started with was like an 830 and then he was the last two games, he was putting like nine thirty, nine forty. Overall, his thing was still on eight, whatever. But still, like when the when the games mattered the most, he came through, and you yeah. knew that it was going to happen for real. And you know, the, the argument against having a number one goalie and no tandem is, oh, if that guy goes down, you're going to lose the series. Fair, but but if tandems don't win you, then what does it matter? But it's yeah, and it's even like, well, you can't like if Matthews goes down, the Leafs. Like, it, yeah, but like, injuries happen, but you can't. I don't know. Like you I can't agree. plan that way. Yeah. No, Especially in a salary cap. I agree. Um, Safe to but, say I want the Leafs to have a, a Connor Hellebuck type goalie. That would be great. When I just think I just don't think there's ever going to be room for that unless until the cap goes up and until Tavares takes a discount, like they're, they're going to be, you know, struggling to find value on the value for money yeah. on their goalies. But we talked about Vazzy a bunch, but we didn't talk about the fact that he's literally going to miss the first two and a half months to three months of the season. He had like a herniated disc in his lumbar spine or something crazy like that. Two which to is, three months, you said, right? Which is a pretty brutal injury. Yeah. Yeah, two to three months. Um, I mean, the question becomes, who the hell plays goalie for them? And then is this going to hurt them? They're going to be fine. The Tampa Bay Lightning are like the Boston Bruins. You put on that jersey, and all of a sudden, you become cracked at hockey. Like, I can give you a million examples. <laughs> Nicholas Paul... Tanner Janot starts turning up when he starts playing for Tampa after having a terrible season for Nashville that year. 
Um, Brandon Hagel, I guess, was always underrated, but when he came to Tampa, he was unbelievable. There was another Leafs killer on that team. I can't remember who it was. But either way, there's just a million examples of guys who go to Tampa and just become good at hockey. And Ryan McDonough was another one. He was kind of bad when he played for the Rangers towards the end of his tenure there. He comes to Tampa, and all of a sudden, after two years, you start going, well, Ryan McDonough is like low-key one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL. Like the argument I'm trying to make is that whoever they put in that net is going to have a 915. Just because he he's wearing the Tampa Bay Lightning jersey, there's an expectation, and also the team around him is defensively great. Yeah, they're gonna they probably have to change the way they play a little bit, but they have they have the bodies to to do that. They have the players to do that. They're gonna be fine. Um, I think they'll be fine. I don't think they're gonna be like they're not gonna run away with the division. I don't think they're gonna be like safe safe for a playoff spot. I think obviously they're gonna make it, but I don't know. Eight to ten months, he plays like sixty plus games for them every year. Yeah, I think that I didn't think they were going to win the division with Vasilevsky in the net. So I don't no, think me they, neither. So so now there's that they're not going to. There's no way they win as many games as they would have with him. No, but I still think they finish second. Okay, we'll get to, we'll get to our uh, our predictions or our rankings. We're going to rank every division towards the end of the episode as we build towards that. Um, but the the problem is that because they pay Vazzy nine and a half and he deserves it, probably deserves more. Yeah, they just don't have a backup. Brian Elliott was their backup for three years. He maybe played ten games in three years. And now it's Jonas Johansson, who, like, I have his career stats somewhere here. Don't I don't even know who that guy is. Exactly. Like, his he has a career 887 in the NHL, 35 games of experience. For who? For Buffalo, the Avalanche, oh. two games for Florida, and three games again for the Avalanche last season. Last season, he put he had a 932 in three games yeah, so on what? Colorado. Yeah, so what that tells me is that on a defensively good Stanley Cup contending team, he's serviceable. He's good. So he's going to be fine. Yeah, maybe fine. I just wonder, though. I do wonder. Um, and they're going to have to... And it, it, Sorry, if he's their guy, who's their backup? Some grease ball they pick off of Martin, waivers. Martin probably. Jones. Probably Martin said, Jones. Right? Like somebody like that. Some, there's going to be a good third-string goalie on waivers. Good is relative to being a third-string goalie, but and they're going to have to pick him up, but... It, I'm sorry, a tandem of Jonas Johansson and let's say Mark Jones, Martin Jones, sorry, doesn't fill me with tons of confidence if I was a, a Lightning fan. No, but it, and, and it shouldn't. But that team is good enough. The Atlantic is regressing a little bit. I still think they'll be fine two to three months into the year. And who knows? Like, we said this about Boston last That's year. That's true. Right? That's very and the, true. Two to three months in, they were leading. So They were the best team of li- literally of all time. Yeah. So, didn't, okay, fair they, enough. They're going to be fine. Fair enough. But... If we're not even okay, that's an injury and that can mess with the team. This Stamkos contract situation, it's so funny that I feel like that has the potential to mess with the team for sure. He's your captain. He's the captain. Did you so just for for I guess for for a little catch up? Um, he came. I think it was towards the end of last season after the playoffs. He was like, "No, this is where I want to be. I want to have contract talks over the summer, and I'd like to come into camp with a deal because I want to be a Lightning for life." Essentially, is what he said. Yep. Then camp starts. One of his first media availabilities, he's like, yeah, you know, we didn't have any contract talks. I'm quite disappointed. This is where I want to be. I've reiterated that to the general manager, to the front office. Like, I want to get a deal done. And then later in camp, I think a day or two later, Breeze Boy gives some sort of non-answer word salad where he's like, we're going to let the season play out and see if we want to keep him. Is basically what he said. And now there's been a lot, like very very like numerous reports coming from very credible sources that quote unquote the front office wouldn't be too upset if he's not a lightning yes that was the one that came that's crazy wouldn't be too upset if 
probably when all is said and done, the best player to ever play for your franchise. He's the best Lightning of all time. Yeah. Is he not Tim or LeCavalier probably or Saint Louis? Saint Louis, but he's up. I think. Well, he's well. They, they all of them are one cups, but Stammers won two. Two. Yeah. He also won two Rockets. Like, he's probably gonna go down as the best Lightning ever. What confuses me is you know that like this might not be as as applicable to the Tampa Bay Lightning because they've been so good for so long that people want to play for them because they want to win cups. Like guys like Corey Perry go there to win cups. But in those types of markets, and not too long ago, the Tampa Bay Lightning were like the Florida Panthers. It is incredibly hard to sign free agents there. And very rarely in the NHL in general, do you have superstars on contract years openly, like overtly say, I want to play for this team. Only it's happened recently with both Florida teams. Only recently. Very recent. A lot of the times you will have a contract here where the superstar will go, yeah, you, you'll give that offhanded answer where you know, like, I like playing here, but we'll see how the season plays out. Very rarely do you have a 60-goal scorer in his past still scoring 30 to 35 a year say, I want to play for this team. I want to get a deal done. Notwithstanding yeah. that, the one time this happens, not only do they not sign him, but they say we wouldn't be too mad yeah. if we didn't keep him. And what confuses me too is that the Tampa Bay Lightning, like, Breezeba is committed for this team to be good for the next three to four years by signing, who did they sign? They signed Sergachev, they signed Sorelli, they signed Hagel. They gave out eight-year deals to everyone in, their, everyone in their dad they gave eight-year mm-hmm. deals to, mm-hmm. presumably because I thought they were trying to milk out the rest of the back end of the primes of Kucherov, of Vasilevsky, of Hedman, of Stamkos. And you do that, you make all those deals in order to try to keep this core alive, and now you don't want to sign back arguably the centerpiece of that core? It makes no sense to me. And he even said he wants to come back on a discount. I, like it, yeah. it doesn't make sense. For that, I think, yeah, I think they're overcompensating or like their their arguments probably like is, you know, Steven Samkos at age 35 worth $6 million for four years. Yes. But their argument would be like, maybe we could allocate that $6 million elsewhere and be a better team for it. No. That's obviously that's the thought process. <laughs> no, no. You, 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 we say this all the time. You need, when push comes to shove, you need guys with experience in the playoffs who can get you a goal when you need it. Like the, the, there's no real equivalent phrase in, in the NHL like there's in the NBA where like a guy's a bucket, but a guy who can get you a goal, <laughs> there's not many of those guys. Like Austin Matthews hasn't even shown in the playoffs that he can get you a goal when yeah. you need it the most. Stamkos has shown. Like, when push comes to shove, that guy can go out and get you a goal. That's why those guys have won so many cups. Yeah. Give him a three-year deal. Pay him $7 million. Like, who cares? You, you, It, it would have been so much different if the if, if the Tampa Bay Lightning have not signed back guys because they've shown that they want to start rebuilding. Yeah. Fine, this makes sense. But they've done all this committing to still be good and for the sole purpose of keeping this core there. And now you're going to lose the guy who's arguably the most important factor to winning a cup. Yeah. Like he's also your captain. Yes. I like the beyond the honest value. Like think about the change room and how much he means to that team and the, the, the morale, the chemistry. Yeah. I think sometimes, especially I think in other sports, it's actually worse because other sports are maybe even more analytically driven than hockey. Actually, I know that for a fact that yeah. they are, but like, you can't really quantify off ice value. And I'm not trying to sound like a freaking boomer uncle right now, but like taking, like taking away a potentially disrespecting a guy who has meant so much to, to that locker room. Like yes, you might save six million dollars on the cap, and you can go get a young player who might be, might even you can maybe argue better on paper. That locker room will be a completely different space, and maybe 100%. maybe Stamkos was keeping guys in check. He knew how to defuse arguments. He knew how to be a great leader, which he is. 
you lose a great leader like that who also happens to be good at hockey still yeah and who knows what happens like it, it's it's a big risk to just see like see you later we don't need you anymore yeah you're right like he's on paper still a top i would say 30 player in the nhl but even if he wasn't he's the glue of that team yeah even if you say we don't want to pay him don't go out and say we wouldn't be super mad if we didn't have him That's like he said he, he said he wants to take a discount so keep him so the team like still has morale like that means so much in the playoffs yeah. like you said even just in the regular season now like maybe i don't follow the lightning that closely i'm not doing their beat writing but what if vibes are bad now they are. Yeah. And you also look at it. In twenty one in 2021-2022, Stamkos, in 81 games, put up 106 points. It was points. disgusting that year. Last year, he played 81 games as well, put up 84. Even if Steven Stamkos gets you 77 points last next year with 30 goals, because he put up 42 in that year he went off and 34 last year, at the end of the day, a 30-goal scorer who puts up 75 points, how many are there in the NHL? Not a ton, and they're 15, probably worth at least seven million. At least that's the floor. That's the floor. We'll talk about it soon. Trevor Zegris at sixty-five points is probably worth seven million. Guys like this who are in their prime now, who have Stanley Cup experience, who are captains, who are just good people, eight and a half. Maybe in defense of the Lightning, they're thinking he's thirty. What is he? Is he 35, 34, 35? something like that? He's in his mid. They're gonna think there's no way he keeps us up till thirty-seven, and he's had an extensive injury history. But even that, I still think it's kind of indefensible. He's shown that he can come back from the craziest injuries and still be yeah. good. That, the year he put up 106 points, didn't he have like crazy injuries before that? He kept well, breaking his leg. Before that, he missed. Yeah, before that, he missed the uh, he missed the whole bubble. Yeah, the whole playoffs. I can't remember what the injury was. And then remember, he came back in had, the bubble and was unreal. And he scored one. He had one shift and he scored one <laughs> goal. And then he and then he stopped. <laughs> and then he stopped. But no, nah, he's come back from crazy. The blood clots, he broke his leg. I think he's, you he's, name it, he's probably had it. He's insane at hockey. He's yeah. in, he's, he's insane. And, and he's like a, a gamer. Yeah, that that's the word I'm looking for. Okay, so that's the equivalent to a bucket. That's the word okay. I'm looking for. He's a gamer. He's a guy who like, when push comes to shove, you know that's the guy that's going to show up when it matters most. Kind of like, and it hurts me to say it, like Ryan O'Reilly. During the regular season, he's eh, but in the playoffs, you know he's a point per game. He's a gamer. He's going to come, he's going to do something big. And he block shots he fights austin matthews yeah he'll be like a rat too which there are going to be 10 15 stanley cup or like playoff contending teams knocking on the agent's door ready to give this guy oh, yeah. seven by three eight by three i'd even give him nine by three if i was a new jersey devil oh, right like just this guy for three more years is gonna be like absolutely crucial to a cup contending team go out and give him the money you wouldn't. You wouldn't. If the Leafs had cap space, you wouldn't give them nine by three. That's the if they if they had cap space. Of course. Here's here's it. the real question: For the next three years, for the Leafs to win a cup, do you want William Nylander on the wing or Steven Stamkos on the wing for three years? That's a good question because, on one hand, Man. one of them is a better hockey player, probably in terms of skill set, but the other one's a gamer. You know how I feel about William Nylander, though. Objectively, who would you want I on can't your wing? Think objectively, about him. Think of it objectively. TikTok's listening. TikTok is listening. Would I rather have Stamkos or Nylander? But I would have Nylander. For the next three years to win you a cup. I would rather have Nylander because, yes, he doesn't do some of the grimier playoff-style hockey things, but he is the Leafs gamer. When the Leafs need a a crucial goal, they look to him. He has been the most clutch Leafs player so far, and that maybe says a lot about the Leafs, but he has been that guy. 
I think a better conversation might be, would you rather have Stamkos or Tavares? Stamkos. I'm taking Stamkos okay. over Tavares. I'm taking Stamkos over Nylander. The reason being because you're right. Nylander is our gamer in the playoffs. But Stamkos is an equivalent gamer who who I know is has been there for multiple playoffs, has won two cups. He's a leader. He's like... He does what William Nylander does and also finishes checks and is a rat on the ice. Yes. Like, you know, he is, when you think of a Stanley Cup champion, Steven Stamkos is like the prototypical build of a cup champion yeah. captain. Does whatever he needs to win. Right. And the only argument for you keeping William Nylander is that over the next three seasons, you can expect him to get 85 points a year because he's not getting older. Yeah. But if you're telling me Steven Stamkos for the next three years is going to be bad in the third year, but he's going to be an 85-point player for the next two years, I genuinely think Steven Stamkos on the wing on the Toronto Maple Leafs wins you a cup over William Nylander. Like, I genuinely believe that. Yeah, it's hard to disagree. I think that's... And how, how great would it be? I mean, I don't want to lose Willie. I love Willie. I think he's integral to this team. But if... It would feel great to see him lift a cup in a Leafs jersey Stamkos. That would be crazy. If William Nylander leaves, Brad Tree Living is going to be all over Steven Stamkos. You think, eh? Probably. And he's the perfect fit for our team. That The only thing this team misses every single year, apart from goaltending, is that one guy with not only cup experience, Just, but that's cup experience and is good. You like grab the bull by the horns. Like they, like, don't, they don't have a guy who does no, that. No, to, to take the game by his hands and say, I'm yeah. going to, I'm gonna do this. That's true. They have don't they, have that. Have I would they love ever to had one? Them. Have they ever had one? Like, well, I mean, like not in this core, but like Wendell Clark, Doug Gilmore did that yeah. back in the day. Like I mean, in this core. In this core, I don't think so. They they keep bringing in guys to do that. But Ryan like, O'Reilly was some, the first guy. Yeah, but even Ryan O'Reilly, like you, I don't know if it's fair to expect a guy who comes in in March to then be the the soul of your team. You need you need to be bringing guys in to a group of people who already do that. Yeah. So then you like encourage that behavior, but. Like, yeah. It's not, I don't think it's fair to expect Ryan O'Reilly to come in and be like, okay, guys, now we're going to hit and block all these shots. You have to be willing to do it and then bring guys into that. I know. I, I and Stamkos would be part of that because he is Steven Stamkos. Yeah, I completely agree. And Ryan O'Reilly has also fallen off. Yeah, Steven Stamkos is still in the back end of his prime. Like uh, He yeah. put up 106 and 85 points, scored 42 and 34 goals. I don't care if you're 35 off multiple injuries. That's still prime level performance. That's good. He's in your top six, and Ryan O'Reilly was not in our top six. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I can't. I can't believe we're even having this conversation as where Stamkos might go because he should be a Lightning for life. And the yes. fact that he says I want to be on the Tampa Bay Lightning, Breezeball, I don't know what he's doing. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. He's gonna catch some serious flack if they if they end up walking away from him. Yeah. Okay. Last bit of talk, I guess, before we get into like some of those predictions and f- more fun aspects of the of this episode i guess um just like the zegris and drysdale contract situation that they've got going on i really don't understand what the ducks are doing <laughs> um it's reported that zegris we'll start with zegris that he wants a bridge deal in the neighborhood of five million and the and i'm ducks don't seem willing to go over like three to four million which i don't, I don't get like I, I get if you're like a cap cap strap team and you're like trying to win now and you want your young guys to take a discount and then you pay them later. But they have $16 million in cap space right now. They're struggling to meet the floor. That's why they overpaid on Kalorn. That's why they overpaid Gutis. on not only Igudis, but there's another guy. There's Strom. Strom. Right? Wow. Let's look at his stats. I think he put up, what, 61 points last year? Here, I have them here. Segris in 2021-2022, 75 games played, 23 goals, 61 points. Last year, 23 goals, 65 points. That's pretty good. And he hasn't broken out yet. And he's played on a team with scrubs. He hasn't played with a first line, like a true first line yeah. ever. And if you expect, 
I don't know, McTavish or Carlson or somebody, maybe to give you a semblance of at least somewhat of a first-line player, you can't expect Trevor Zegers to be at his ceiling 75 points. Probably. Like, he, he can get you that. Like, he's yeah. not, he hasn't so, hit his prime What yet. is he, 22? Yeah. And as it is right now, a 65-point player probably gets you $6 million on the open market, especially in, yeah. This, yeah, in this market. But when I tell you that he hasn't broken out yet and he's still in RFA, you probably pay those guys 7 just to stick around. Yeah, I agree. They're offering. He wants five. If he wants five, what, what's that guy's name? Pat Verbeek? Is that Pat, Pat Verbeek. If he wants five million, if I'm Pat Verbeek, I'm saying sign the contract quickly. You only want five? Take it. Yeah. And they're coming back and saying three, four. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's stupid. If, like, if on that note about him having not broken out, we're going to talk about who we think might be a breakout candidate. If he was in camp, I would have picked him. For sure. But now he's going to come back if he ever signs his contract cold and going to be thrown into NHL regular season games. That's we noticed that firsthand with William Nylander. Yeah. That's not that's not a recipe for success. Yep. Um, yeah. So they're obviously cheaping out. I don't understand why if they're willing to pay washed guys multiples of millions of dollars to to be in their dressing room, like pay your best player to be there long term. The guy who's the most arguably the most marketable American player not named Austin Matthews, yeah. potentially. Like, you can you can make that argument. For sure. For sure. I mean, like, we, we're talking about the off-air. He's, he's literally dating Dixie D'Amelio. <laughs> he's going to have, like, see, he has some name value, some recognition. I'm not saying that that should be the sole reason you sign, guys, but if they're good and they can give you some clout when you're a dead market like Anaheim, you yeah. should probably keep those guys. Was he ever on the cover of NHL? I can't remember. He, he might was have last been. year. Right, right? Nurse. He was on the cover of NHL. Like He's known for all these theatrics like with the Michigan and stuff. Like, yeah. He's very marketable. At the very least, you give him $6 million and he, he brings you ticket sales and jersey Literally. sales, right? It may, it makes no sense Who's to me. Who's going to watch this team? Nobody. I think what I think if you're Trevor Zegers, you're banking on a team offer sheeting because then they're going to match it. Okay. Right? And well, let's talk go. about that then. Who do you think can should would be the best fit for him on an offer sheet there's one team that's obviously the the best answer i'll let you say that because that was your argument i agree with you so i'll say the other one i think chicago is a great spot for him another Ooh. another team that's struggling to meet the cap floor has a lot of young guys like he'll get to him and bedard will get to that's grow together right it would be it would be great this year there are no expectations for that team go out and give him 25 minutes a night let him develop and that's especially beside one. beside bedard like, I bet you Taylor Hall, by the way, in fantasy, draft Taylor Hall is going to put up 80 points this year. <laughs> Trevor Zegers going to put up 80 points beside Connor Bedard. You'll be yeah, a minus 30, a, but you'll put up 80. That's a crazy one-two punch. I didn't, and they have they have picks. They yeah. got lots of picks to burn. Yeah, That's a great idea. I, I would say, like, if he was not playing center, and you don't, you don't have to play center, but I've been screaming all offseason for the Buffalo Sabres to do something. Yep. This is a guy who fits within your age profile. He's going to be value for money, especially if you're offer sheeting this Anaheim Ducks team that doesn't want to pay him. And you slide him into your top six somehow. Like He immediately makes you a much better team. Not much better defensively, per se, but they already weren't anything to you know scream about defensively. So yep. I think he looked great in the Buffalo Sabres jersey. But you know what? You've convinced me. I think, he would, I think that's a great great idea chicago's for, for also chicago. a huge market right yeah, there it works perfectly buffalo is not a big market at all no and what you when these generational type forwards come into the nhl i'm talking crosby i'm talking mcdavid i'm talking bedard i wouldn't even put matthews in that category like generational once every 10 year type of guys that you know yeah. are going to go off you see teams 
race to build now because you know this guy is ready to contend you for a cup within the next two to three years. They did it in Edmonton. They built really quickly. Connor McDavid by his second year was already good enough to win you a cup. Crosby won a cup in his second year. Like what I'm trying to say is that I wonder if, what's his name? Something Richardson? What's the, what's the GM's oh, name? Luke Richardson's their coach. Their, their GM is... Oh Davidson? Is it Davidson? Yes, Davidson. 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 Whatever his name is. is probably going. Let's try to accelerate this rebuild as quickly as we can yeah. so we can put a contending team in front of Connor Bedard. Trevor Zegers is a perfect guy. If I was the Chicago Blackhawks, I would gladly trade a first and a third in order to get me a semi-developed first-round pick because I want to accelerate this rebuild as quickly as I can. Yeah. He fit well. I agree. And Zegers is probably better than whoever you're going to draft. For sure. In like seventh or eighth. And he's ready now. Like the guy that you're going to draft, even if he's better than Zegers, it's going to be three, four years into Bedard's career. Yeah, unless they get lucky and draft another generational talent. But you can't be banking on that if you're a rebuilding team. Yeah, and they're not going to be in last with Bedard anymore. So that's not going to happen. True. You don't have them in last? No, not this year. Okay. Interesting. We'll talk about it. Um, Okay. Is that our... Think, oh, we didn't talk about Drysdale. Okay, let's talk about Drysdale really quickly because I think this one's kind of kind of wild. Um, it was reported, like, this is not me making things up. Darren Dreger was on the record, like, suggesting that potentially the Ducks held Jamie Drysdale out of games last season when he was ready to come back so that he didn't play enough games to get Arbrights so that they could take him to task on this contract and not pay him. That would be ridiculous. That's like why are they why are they acting they have no money <laughs> when they're struggling to meet the cap floor they're and, profitable and they suck yeah don't you want your best young players to be on your team jamie jamie drysdale was touted as one of the best defensive prospects in a very long time after that world juniors so, he was unreal yeah. and he's been pretty silent he only played like eight games last year that's I think. the problem so bring him back and let him play yeah he only played eight games i don't think he has that much leverage just Meet in the middle and get this guy playing games. Like, if you want your team to be good in the future, in five years you're gonna hate yourself for keeping these guys on the, not even on the bench, out of the out of the con out of the league because you were trying to chintz them when you paid freaking Radko Gudis and and uh, what's his name Kalorn a combined ten million dollars. Like, give me a break. Yeah. I anyway, um, getting a little angry there. I am because <laughs> like you, you're such a crap franchise and you have two. <laughs> And you have two good players to build around, and you're trying to you're trying to grease them in a contract negotiation. Like, give me a break. Anyway, fake you're, franchise. Your uh, your Anaheim Ducks are my Ottawa Senators. Now you know how I feel. I guess I, I'm not slandering the players. I'm slandering the the team. I guess you slander the the Senators team. You don't you don't hate the players. Yeah. Um, but like talking about uh, Zegers having the potential to break out this year if he was actually playing with his team, um, we're just gonna give. I guess our breakout candidates who we think has the potential to kind of have a Tim Stutzler type of rise. I don't, I don't think my guy can get to 90 points after having a 60 point season, but I, I can see him taking a big step and that's Cole Perfetti. Yeah. Um, granted he did just suffer a concussion so that the timing on this isn't great, but hopefully he can recover in a couple of weeks and still play a 75 eight games or so. Um, but I just think with Dubois and Wheeler gone, that opens up a pretty big hole in their top six and that's perfect for him. He can play center um, on the on a line thing with, and I was with Ehlers and like one of Velarde or um, Nino Niederreiter. It's a good that, line. It's a good second line, regardless of how you slice it. Like they're still very good offensively. This team, um, and I just think if he can stay healthy, he can take advantage of this opportunity in the top six. I'm sure at times he's going to end up on PP one. Um, I don't think he is right now, but 
if he continues to play better, he'll end up on that power play. And I mean, hey, if he got you 65, 70 points in 75 to 80 games, I think that's a pretty pretty good contribution from your second line center who's still in his early 20s. For sure. Like, I think he has the potential to be like a really good player. And similar to what Ange said about um, Taylor Hall, like, if you have a big, big league and you have a spot for, for, young, for a younger player who you want to take a bet on, I think when Perfetti comes back, he's that guy. Yeah, I agree. He's going to get minutes too on that team. Yeah. So we'll see. Second line center. I like it. My uh, my breakout player is a guy that you would have wished that broke out last year, and I think he's a pretty good candidate. Oh, stop. Lucas stop. Ray- Lucas Raymond. I think Lucas Raymond is a good breakout pick. In the in his rookie year, he played 82 games. He had 23 goals, 34 assists, 57 points. That's a very good rookie season. That yeah. puts you in a race for a Calder Trophy when the when the rookie class isn't phenomenal. Last year, in 74 games played, he only put up 17 goals, 28 assists, had 45 points. So mm-hmm. he had about 12 points less than he did in his rookie season, and had that like classic sophomore slump with yep. him and Moritz Sider. Like you could tell, last year he was no- noticeably worse. Not only that, like the Red Wings were in shambles. They didn't, he didn't even end up playing with Larkin a lot because he was so bad. Like this year, he's going to for sure probably be playing with DeBrinken and Larkin on line one. It's pretty good. Even if he doesn't get better technically, you can expect 15 more points out of him because DeBrinken is one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. He's going to get a lot more secondary assists. Not only that, we see it all the time where guys who have a good rookie campaign are kind of sophomore-ish, like, eh, like that's where that sophomore slump comes from. And then the third year, like, they really break out. You see it all the time in the NFL, NFL too, with wide receivers. Like, year three is the year that former rookies become superstars or, like, yeah, start entering yeah. into that superstar. I think the stars are aligning for them, and I think the wings are, like, in this era now where they know they need to start winning. That extra motivation might push them. I wouldn't be surprised if Raymond is a 75-point player next wow. year. Yeah. Okay. Okay, this is a completely unrelated, but when you said 30 years a year that guys are supposed to pop off, isn't that what they said about Justin Fields? They did, and it's kind of sad. he's like the worst QB in the league by a, by a long shot. They've lost 13 games in a row. 13 games in a row. I think the reason why they said that with Justin Fields is because in the latter half of last year, he was really good. Like, he was really good. I think in the latter, last, latter half of last year, and I know that fantasy doesn't correlate to your real ability to play quarterback, <laughs> but he was like the Frosty best fantasy does. quarterback for the past 12 games, which means that he was like putting up offense. Like he was good. Um, so they all, they also got DJ Moore this year. One of the problems last year with fields is that he didn't have any wide receivers to throw to. So he's an exclusive running quarterback. They got DJ Moore this year and you're like, Oh, this guy's going to start throwing. And I think he's thrown more picks than touchdowns this year. It's been That's really, brutal. it's been really bad. We're just going to take a brief intermission here to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, Manabout Town. Located in North York, Ontario, Manabout Town is ready to support you with all of your pre-game luxury wear. Ranging from sharp suits to sleek shirts and pristine ties, Manabout Town is here to elevate your game to the next level. Visit Manabout Town today or find them on Instagram at manabouttown265 to learn more about how they can assist you. Before we get to our rankings, which is what we're going to do last. We have hot takes. We did this last season, and some of our hot takes are related to our standing predictions, so we're going to do those first. Can you give me your first hot take? Because I think mine is going to be completely contrary to yours, and I can't wait. Oh, so you want to go second, so I look dumber. No, I think I could end up looking really dumb here. Is this even hot? I'm going to say my hot take is that a team doesn't make the playoffs. This team hasn't made the playoffs in the last 352,000 years. Is it <laughs> re- is it really hot for me to say they're not going to make the playoffs again? Like my hot take is the Ottawa Senators miss 
the playoffs again. Every single year, I got to keep hearing Senators fans come out of the depths of Twitter whenever something happens. Last year, it was like we, we talked about it on another episode. It was the Sens' top six is better than the Leafs' top six. Wrong. This year, it's Matthew Sines. Stutzler is a better player than a two-time Rocket Richard winner, Hart winner, Selkie-level player who gets you 60 goals a year and 110 points. Like, wrong. And now this year, everyone is saying the Ottawa Senators are going to be a division team. They're going to make the playoffs. The Ottawa Senators are missing the playoffs. And the reason why I say this is because, I'm sorry, the Leafs, the battered and bruised Lightning, and the old Boston Bruins are still going to be the division teams <laughs> because the Leafs are more than good enough to do it. And Boston and, and the Lightning are always teams that when you think they're in the mud, they still perform well. Last year, we thought Boston was going to be bad. Turned out to be the best team of all time. Now you look in the wild card. We'll talk about this soon. The Metro is, I think, arguably better than the Atlantic this year. And the two teams that are coming out of the wild card are going to be in the Metro. The Ottawa okay. Senators also have to battle with the Buffalo Sabres. The wings aren't terrible anymore. They're going to be playing a million Atlantic games. You can't expect them to go 500 in their own division because the division's good. So what are they going to have to go? Have an 800 win percentage against teams that aren't in the Atlantic? Whoever they, when they, the second most games they play against a division are the Metro. And the Metro's better than the Atlantic. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ottawa Senators are not 500 next year. And I'm going to hear, yeah, I'm going to hear next year something's going to happen. Tim Stutzler is going to put up 100 points this year because he's going to be a superstar this year. And then we're going to hear Tim Stutzler is better than all of the Leafs players combined. Something There's going to be some narrative next year. But one thing is going to be true. Tim Stutzler will still not have one career playoff game by the start of next year. <laughs> that was... That got progressively more slanderous as you continue to talk. <laughs> it was all rooted in facts. I don't okay. understand where people see that. Like, okay, fine. My hot take is that not only will the Ottawa Senators make the playoffs, but the Buffalo Sabres are also going to make the playoffs. Both of them are making the playoffs this year. I'll tell they both They both missed by six or less points last season. Okay. They both got better this offseason. One, by virtue of their young players just getting better. Owen Power, Rasmus Dalling, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, all better. Tim Stutzler, Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, maybe not Josh Norris, Jake Sanderson, Jacob Chikrin, all all getting better because they're young and they're going to get better. The Sens also went out and added pieces as well. I just think that they have the opportunity to take advantage of the old, battered Boston Bruins, the old, battered Tampa Bay Lightning, and capitalize and make the playoffs. And not only that, one of them is going to be a division team. I'm not going to say which one because we're going to say it in our predictions. But one of them will be a division team. One of them will be a wild card team. Both the Senators and the Sabres are making the playoffs. Bank on it. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Did they take advantage of the battered Boston Bruins team that missed Marshawn and McAvoy last year for half of the year? No, but this is different. This is different. Why is it different? It just is. I can't explain it. Are they better? Are the ten, Are the Ottawa Senators better than the New Jersey Devils? No. Are they better than the Penguins? I don't think so. Are they better than the Hurricanes? No. Are they better than the Rangers? No. So they got one wild card spot to deal with. Yep. So the the Sabres... Oh, so one of them is, you're going to say, is a division yes. team. Are they better than the New York Islanders who have yes. made the playoffs yes. a million years in a row and have two Eastern Conference Finals in the recent history? Yes. I Dude. think the Islanders are trash. <laughs> There's no way... Neither of these teams are making the playoffs. That's cap. <laughs> I think this this is for the sake of the hot takes. I said both. I one of them guaranteed makes it. Are either of these teams better than the Bruins or the Lightning? You have to think so if they're going to be a division team. Yes. There's no way. There's yes. no way. I'll tell you what. We had that, and I you know maybe I shouldn't be making bets, 
because I had to wear the picnic table thing the last time I lost the bet. Correct. If one of these two teams do, you make do the, another one? Yeah. If one of these two teams make the playoffs, I'll wear another ugly sweater. And if both of these teams make the playoffs, I'll shave Naked. my head bald. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you were looking for any excuse for that, eh? <laughs> I just want I just want look at you across the table and whatever. Um, well, we'll stop that sentence. You're gonna you're, you're gonna shave your head. Bald. There's That's no chance. So cap. There's you're not no gonna chance. commit to that. There's because it's not gonna happen. Like it's just not gonna happen. No, I'm gonna get you to wear a stupid T-shirt and a stupid hat because sure. the hat people will see on TikTok and they'll flame you. Sure. But if they okay, but you know, now, now I need a punishment. Same punishment. If one of them makes it, if one of them makes it, I have to wear a T-shirt. If neither of them make it, I gotta wear a T-shirt and a hat. Sure. It's not happening. Like there's just no chance. Okay. Neither of these Book these it. two teams have Book historically it. been. The most garbage franchises in the NHL for a very long time. When, when Tage Thompson takes a steamy poo on your head, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Tage I'm Thompson gonna have and their who? receipts. A pile of pucks. Like no. who? Who's their second best player? Ta- um, what's his name? Alex Al- Tuck. Alex Tuck is garbage. Give me a break. Garbage. He's, he, he's, they have Norris wing defenseman. He's the no, they don't. Well, he can't. Sorry, Norris caliber defenseman. He is the second. If he is the second best forward. On your team, you are not making the playoffs, especially when you're in the best division in the NHL, and the second best division is the team you play the second most games against. It's just not happening. All right. Fine. And you said the fine. lightning. You said the fine. lightning got. Fine. Sorry. You said the Senators added pieces. Yeah. Who did they add? Corpusalo and Tarasenko. And they lost to Brinkett. They yeah, got but worse. Yeah, wasn't even that good for them last year. You still put up 30, 35. Did he not? No, I think he got like twenty-seven. What did Tarasenko get last year? Not great, but like. Would you rather have Corpusalo and Tarasenko or Debrinket? For that team, probably the goalie. No way. They needed the goalie. Their top six is still loaded. You labeled Corposalo as arthritic and bionic <laughs> last episode. <laughs> like, no, that wasn't July. I'm a changed man. That was last episode. No. I think, well, yeah, I said if his bionic hips can keep up, yeah. they're going to be great. Like, yeah. I still stand true. If his bionic hips keep up, he's going to be great. There's no chance. I'll, I'll buy an Ottawa Senators jersey no, and won't. wear it if they make the playoffs. No, They're not making the playoffs. No, They're not making the playoffs. Okay, you'll see. You'll see. It'll be the same thing that happens every year. Shabbat's going to miss 60 games. Norris is going to be out for the season after the second there game. There he is on the IR. And yeah, I don't want either of these guys to get hurt. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they're going to be bad because they're a bad hockey team. But either way. Let's go to our second hot take because if I have to hear you hop on the Senators bandwagon one more time, I'm going to lose Get my ready. mind. But I do hope, I do hope that Timothy Stutzla is great next year because he's a keeper on my fantasy team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, do you want to give your second hot take? We'll just go in a snake order here. Sure. Oh, God. Um, I'm not going to be as bold and say this team's going to make the playoffs, but I think this team will fight for a wild card spot and that's the coyotes Ooh, i like that one i think they'll fight for a wild card spot they're in the central where i just don't know what the preds are going to be i don't know if the st louis blues are going to be the st louis blues we know or the st louis blues of last year they've lost a lot of talent yep um obviously we know that the hawks are going to be bad and then the jets are just a wild card they could either rally around all this uncertainty and be great and have a great regular season, or they can implode, trade Shifley and Hellebuck, and be a bottom feeder. Like we, we, we just don't know. And I think that volatility puts, combined with the rest of the division being kind of mid, puts the Coyotes in a position where they can catch lightning in a bottle and and make a push. Um, they're pretty damn sneaky good. Like yeah. Cooley is gonna be a great, great player. Yeah, that goal in the in, in Australia was beautiful. They have Clayton Keller who. 
would be a, pretty much a superstar in any other team. He yep. just happens to play in a college arena. Yep. And you have Michelli. You have they got Dursey and Dumba on the back end now. Vimelka is still a really good goalie. I Forgot think about they that. have a lot of good pieces that I think if things fall into place, not I'm not gonna put my you know. I'm not going to go on the record saying they'll get a wild card spot, but I think fighting for a wild card spot is still a hot take considering this team has been a bottom feeder since Taylor Hall left. Yeah, I think I think if they if they make the playoffs, they're a division team just because the two wild cards will probably come for the Pacific mm. and the Central's bad. Like, okay, fair I, enough. I think they could be the third best team. Like you said, for sure, Stars and Avs are one and two, mm. whatever way that you put it. But they're arguably better than, like the you wild. said, the Wild. They're arguably better than... Um, Oh my gosh, Nashville, they're arguably better than the Blues. Like, it's close. And this is, we say this all the time. When you put a team together with a bunch of motivated guys that are playing with nothing to lose. Yeah, circa, a lot of one-year deals. Circa the Florida Panthers of last year, no one expected nothing from them. We said that could have been part of their motivation. It'd be pretty good. Fair enough. Gary Bettman would love that. Oh, he would. Oh my God, Gary Bettman would. Can't even say the things coming to my head right now. He would be so happy. Yeah. He'd be shoving it in the face of everybody. Yeah. Anyway, your second hot take? I got another team that I think is going to um that is going to contend. This was this was honestly this take was our only L of last year in our hot takes. <laughs> oh, don't rinse but it. Don't, rin- don't it run down. it back. I'm don't doubling do it. down on it. The Pittsburgh Penguins mm. not only make the Eastern Conference Finals, they are a Stanley Cup team next year. <laughs> Dude, last year they showed that Crosby still had it. He put yep. up like 100 and something points last year. Evgeny Malkin was unbelievable last year. Jake Gensel, when he was healthy, was unbelievable last year. Ricard Raquel, great second-line player. They add Riley Smith, another great second-line player. Mm-hmm. They now have first and second, sorry, primary and secondary scoring, and their bottom six is filled with like those Mike Sullivan-type guys that play hard, penalty kill, you know, all the cliches, getting pucks in deep, finishing checks, like those types of players like Noel Achari. They're kind of bad defensively, but we say this all the time. The Sidney Crosby team doesn't matter. win Stanley Cups with Dumoulin and Trevor Daly on the back end. Yep. Like, it doesn't matter. Tristan Jari is finally healthy, just got a big contract. He's going to show that, like, he's worth it. Okay. This team is going to be a division team. They just added the best defenseman in the league last year, the best, the, the, the last defenseman to put up 100 points in a very, very long time. This team is not only good enough to do it, they're playing with guys who have a lot of experience, cup contending, cup winning experience that are still in the back end of their primes. And by the way, this team is playing with motivation. Ryan, he- sorry, Ron Hextall signed all those guys to humongous deals. They've committed to this three, four year window. This team is going to do everything in their will to be a cup winning team. They're going to be the busiest team at the deadline. They have the talent to do it. And for everyone who says, oh, you know, Pittsburgh is too old to win a cup. What I don't understand about that argument is that an quote unquote old Sidney Crosby put up I think he put up over 100 points last year. Still the best passer in the NHL. Still one of the better playmakers in the NHL. Eric Carlson, who's old, put up 100 points last year. So, like, if the argument... The, the argument of being old is only valid if older means you get worse. But mm-hmm. all these old mm-hmm. guys are showing like they're having career renaissances. They're just good. Yeah, so the argument doesn't make sense, and they're more than deep enough to do it. Okay. Crosby's winning another cup. I hope it happens. Yeah. Like, if it can't be the Leafs, like we always both say, let's hope it's the Penguins. So fair enough. I just, I just hope we don't get dummied for two years in a row on that one. Yeah, my bad. Last year. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be hot. Hot takes are hot takes. They never normally hit. Yeah. For my last hot take, it's kind of related to the Coyotes. I went external for this one. This is not my brainchild, but okay. I had someone leave me a note that somebody happens to be the biggest Alex Kerfoot fan I've ever met in my life. It also happens to be my girlfriend. 
She loves Alex Kerfoot. I said, do you have a hot take for me? She said, yeah, Alex Kerfoot is going to get 75 points. What? <laughs> I almost hung up. No disrespect. No disrespect. Why? Why does? Why does she love Kerfoot? I don't know. She just loves Kerfoot. Okay, respect. She just. She just loves Kerfoot. She thinks he's that guy. I, I don't. Kerf- I, I love Kerfoot. You love Kerfoot too. Nice I think you just like feet. Sorry. <laughs> 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 that just came out. <laughs> it's okay. We're an hour and ten minutes in. Anyone still listening? <laughs> that won't throw them off. For the record, not true. But not continue. True. Okay. <laughs> um. But yeah. Kerfoot's going to get 75 points playing with potentially one of Logan Cooley or Clayton Keller. I can definitely not see it happening, but I'm going to throw that out there as my third hot take because we like Alex Kerfoot. We'll be Austin. Sorry. Alex Kerfoot stands on this pod. Why not? He was a Leaf. He's a good he was guy. A leaf. He was Harvard, a good guy. Harvard grad. Like what else? Harvard grad. Yeah. Um, okay. My This is probably my hottest take. But I do believe there is a world where this happens. Okay, let's see. My third hottest take is that Connor Bedard does not win the Calder Trophy. It is Matthew oh, Nyes that wins the Calder yes, Trophy. Yes. I think there's some logic behind this. Okay. Number one, last year, Matthew Nyes showed that he was a force at the highest level in the playoffs. He was a point per game last year, not playing for most of the of the regular season. He was playing with Minnesota for most of that year. Comes in for the last three games of the regular season. Those are tune-up games when everyone's fighting for playoff spots. He gets those games in. And then in the playoffs, is not only great on the puck, averaging a goal a game, scores a couple huge goals for the Leafs. And not only that, everyone who watched the Leafs and everybody in the media was saying, this guy off the puck was phenomenal, was finishing Mm -hmm. checks, was a force. Not only that... Like the first argument here is that he has shown that he can do it and he has reps under his belt and he has the confidence that he can do it. But number two, he is going to be playing with arguably the best second line in the league. He's going to be playing with Nylander and Tavares. And I'm sorry, if you put me on that line, I could get you 15 (laughs) points. Matthew Nyes honestly has a chance to put up and obviously this is a ceiling. He has a chance to put up 75 points next year just by virtue of the fact that he's on that line. And if someone goes down on power play one, he is the next guy on power play one. And that was statistically the second best power play yeah. in the league last year. He's going to put up so many secondary assists. It's not even funny. Going back to Connor Bedard, he is just so good. He has shown in the regular season he is going to make Taylor Hall a 75-point player next year. right? So Connor Bedard, like individually, is way better than Matthew Nyes. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Matthew Nyes is going to win the Calder just because he has so many other factors that are going to help him out yeah. next year that Connor Bedard doesn't have that I think might propel him from a, like a points perspective to like on paper looking like he had a better season than yeah, Bedard. That's fair. Yeah. You're not it's, it's not Bedard slander. It's no. just Matthew Nyes is in a position to succeed. Yeah, like he, better position. Connor Bedard is going to be playing with Felino and Taylor Hall next year. <laughs> Corey Perry yeah. and Ma- all those Matthew Nyes is going to be playing with a mix of Nylander, Tavares, Marner, and Matthews. Like Those are Gross. four of the best players in the NHL, and Taylor Hall isn't good anymore, and Felino <laughs> is, like, he is arthritic. Like, he's bad. <laughs> that, turned, that turned into like, Felino and his slander. Yeah, honestly. I don't know where. Yeah, I don't rate Felino. Came to the lease for two games, gave up 12 first-round picks for him, breaks his back, honestly out of his control, still cheeses me, and then he talks so much crap about the lease that he wears the Boston Bruin. Like, take it easy. That's Andy. right. Good for two years like okay <laughs> yeah connor like i know on tiktok i'm gonna get so many hate comments being like oh, oh classic yeah. leaves hater with the figurine holding the cup in the background saying that like matthew nice is better than bedard like connor bedard is by far the best rookie in the nhl next year probably if the season started he's a top 50 player in the nhl already matthew nice yeah. isn't that no but, but matthew nice is playing in an unbelievable 
circumstance. McDavid didn't win the Calder. No. Who won it that year? Panarin. Oh, okay. McDavid also got hurt. But the point is, yeah. they don't always win it. Yep. Anyway, let's wrap up. We got about, let's see if we can rip through this in 10 minutes. Just a quick, let's go a minute and a half for each division each. Give our rankings, a little brief explanation as to why you have teams where they are. And then we'll see how these play out. Sure. Okay, you go first. Okay, let's start with the Atlantic because that's the one we've been talking about the Here most. Here we go. Let Same. the cat out of the bag. Sabres won. Brace yourself for these beautiful rankings that will come true. Okay. Um, I have the Leafs in first, obviously. Um, I think the best team on paper. Other teams are just a lot of question marks around them. Then I've got the landing in second. Yes, they're going to miss their starting goalie, but I think they rally around that. They're just too good to not be a division team. I think the second best team. This is where it gets a little bit spicy. Um I've got the Sens in third and the Sabres in fourth. Now, hear me out. I already talked about the fact that they both got better by virtue of their young age. The Sens went out and added. But it's more about the two next two teams. I just don't know what they're going to be. I've got the Bruins in fifth. Yes, they they were great last year when no one expected them to be. But with Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka as your top two centers, I don't care if you have Jesus Christ on your left wing. You're you're not a good team. Okay, that's my that's my rationale. I have the Panthers in sixth. If you've listened to this Long enough, you know that I slander the Panthers anytime I get a chance because they're a bad regular season team. Yes, they made the cup finals, but the cup finals are in the playoffs and you have to get there first. I just don't think they will this year. And then in seven and eight, the Red Wings and the Canadians. The Red Wings, I think, are so painfully mid and the Canadians are rebuilding. And so I think they're going to find themselves at the bottom of this division. I think that was a pretty succinct reason as to why my rankings are the way they are. I know you're going to have so many problems with them, so please indulge me you know what maybe we'll do this session we'll do this part of the podcast where i'll let you do the ranking and then i'll rebuttal it and then i'll do the ranking and you can rebuttal mine dude (laughs) 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 you're out to lunch like you're out to lunch how many times have the senators and the sabers made the playoffs in the last 50 years i don't remember okay don't disregard the sense 2017 run but like other than that not mine not many times zero yeah i guess fine that year that's fine Leafs, Lightning, Boston are winning the division. It's not like it's, it's, that is out of the question. And I think the only thing that you could say is, yeah, these teams are got worse and they're injury ridden. But if Boston did it last year, they're going to do it again this year. Let's not forget the Boston Bruins have a top three um, defenseman in the Atlantic. They have a top, I would say, two goal scorer in the Atlantic. They have one of the best captains in the Atlantic who's a Selkie level defenseman. Okay. They also had Hampus Lindholm, who was phenomenal last year. Also, did they not have a guy who won the Vesna and the second best tandem goalie in the league last year? Sure. You can put a pile of pucks on every other spot, and that team is a division team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Like the, I, I just gave you seven unbelievable pieces. They're in the division. Now let's go to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do they not have a guy that scored 60 goals, and we both just said is Mr. Well, Gamer Stanley Cup guy? I'm in second. Okay. Oh, so you have Bo- oh, you have Boston. I have Boston. So fine. I won't argue with the Lightning. There's no way the Bo- the Boston. I think the Bruins are finishing second. Okay. Start now. Now start from the top. That way we can like get a succinct answer. I know you. You're gonna batter. You're gonna batter me anyway. But. Leafs. Leafs. Boston. Lightning. Florida. Buffalo. Ottawa. Ottawa. Detroit. Montreal. Okay. Senators are a sixth place team. For, That's I, aggressive. I think there's no argument here that we're saying the Leafs and the Lightning are a division team. We agree, and that Detroit, Montreal, they're seven and eight. Mm-hmm. You just cannot find me a world where the Boston Bruins do not win the division because they have the piece. They have superstar pieces. They have super, one superstar forward, one superstar defenseman, one superstar goalie. It's enough. Like I'm like, and the Senators just every single year they tease you, and I'm just like, it's you know the best predictor of the future is the past. 
No, you're right about that. I just wanted to spice things up a little bit. You just bit. want me to come naked on this podcast. That's what you want me to do. Yes. Oh, no, that wasn't the that wasn't the deal. It, the deal was if they both make it, you're naked. <laughs> okay, fine. It doesn't matter. Well, it's that's not, not the actual deal, not but happening. that was something we... we uh, we floated out. Let's let the fans decide. I think that I'll tell you the state of our TikTok following. Actually, maybe we maybe we don't want to see that side of our TikTok following. Okay, so um, the Atlantic, we have some disagreements. But yeah. you want to go into the, the only me- one? I think that's the hardest, the hardest division to predict, in my opinion. Okay, I'll go. I'll, want me to do the Metro now too, yeah. and you can rebuttal it. Yeah. Okay, my Metro division standings. I'll go eight to one. Number eight, the Philadelphia Flyers. This team has been poverty for so long. They're going to continue to be poverty. Garbage franchise, garbage team. This team is playing an AHL team next year. Very easy to discern. Number seven, Blue Jackets. By the same argument, can't tell you eight guys that play on the Blue Jackets, and I watch 82 games of almost every team in the NHL. Yeah, Line A and Goudreau are good, but Ken Johnson's the center. You're not going to expect much production out of those guys. Like, is not going to be a 100-point player for the rest of his career on the Columbus Blue Jackets. They don't have a guy that can get you, that can take you, to like a fifth or sixth position comfortably in the seven for me. Number six, the Washington Capitals. It kind of hurts me to say because I love Alex Ovechkin. It's just Alex Ovechkin, a pile of garbage, and like Kuznetsov and Strom and nobody else. Like Backstrom's hurt all the time. This team just isn't good enough. I'm sorry. Number five, the New York Islanders. Now we're starting to get into a mix of teams who I think have the ceiling to be wildcard playoff teams. The Islanders showed that they had they, they they made the playoffs last year and got dummied in four games against Carolina, I'm pretty sure. Again, they just don't have that gamer guy on their team that can push them to win a cup. Like, Barzal is good. He's elite, but he's not a superstar. And I think this division is loaded with top-end talent. Mm-hmm. Number four, I'm going to have the New York Rangers just missing out on winning the division. Every single year, it's the same thing with the Rangers. They're the Toronto Maple Leafs of the Metro. Unbelievable on paper, but when push comes to shove, they just can't get over that hump and I know a lot of people will argue with me saying that you know the Rangers made an Eastern Conference Finals they mm-hmm. relied on Shesterkin having the best goalie season and yeah. playoff run of all time and by the way probably shouldn't have beat the Pittsburgh Crosby Penguins if Crosby hurt. didn't get hurt but they did it okay number three I'm gonna have the New Jersey Devils finishing in third Whoa. I know that's gonna be hot New Jersey Devils are an unbelievable hockey team I think they're gonna be an Eastern Conference final team them in Pittsburgh I just think Pittsburgh has so much motivation to be great next year on paper they're coming off a guy that just won the Norris with one of the best players of all time putting up 100 points next year and extra extra motivated Sidney Crosby and Eric Carlson that's a, a team I don't want to play against. Mm-hmm. I know that's going to be hot, but I'm going to I'm going to let motivation say that team finishes second. And then number one, you know, three things are certain in life, death, taxes, and Carolina winning the Metro every single year. It's the same thing. Don't expect, I know I've just said, I think two teams are going to make the Eastern Conference final, but realistically, this team does it every year and loses 2-1 every single game. But realistically, that team is going to win the Metro. Yeah, fair. I think my top and bottom half are the same, just the order is different. So... I guess I'll start from the bottom as well. Last in the Metro, I have the Jackets. I think, yeah, they have probably more talent than the Flyers, but I just think their situation is such a mess, and who knows how that team's going to react to all the garbage they've had to deal with this offseason. So I just have them in eighth. You could flip-flop them with the Flyers, who I have in seventh. I think they're also just a dumpster fire. don't think they're going to have any improvement on last season. So not really worth talking too much about that. Then in sixth, I have the Caps as well. I think they're just too old. They don't have enough good players to really overtake some of these next teams um and fifth i have the islanders as well i actually don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year because of you know i think some other younger atlantic teams are going to take a wild card spot from them but i think they're still good enough to compete for wild card spot in fifth um and then fourth i have a an 
opposite approach to you with when it comes to the Penguins. I think the Penguins are making the playoffs as a wild card team, but I think their mindset might just be let's stay healthy and just squeak in and not take the regular season as as serious, sort of like a Tampa Bay Lightning approach. And then when we get in, we're healthy and we're energized, we're going to steamroll teams. I think that's the approach. So I have them in fourth. I have the Rangers in third. They finished third last year. They're just too good on paper, I think, to not have a division spot. And second, I actually have the Canes. And I think I have the Canes there because I just think the Devils on paper are going to be that regular season team. They're young. They're not scared of anybody. They have so much depth and talent. Whether or not they can get it done in the playoffs, I, I still think they can. But I think in the regular season, they're going to run away with things. And just they're going to be the best team in the East when it comes to, to standings. And they're going to be the best team in the Metro. Do you have them winning the President's Trophy? Interesting. I honestly, I didn't think about that, but like probably. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll do Pacific. Okay, so starting from eighth, I mean, this Pacific division is kind of a, it just, it's going to be like the top two, the top two teams are really easy. The bottom two teams are really easy. And then in the middle, it gets a little tricky. In eighth, I have the Sharks. I mean, probably like some of the, like the worst collection of defensive talents you've that's ever been iced. So have them in, in eighth. I mean, the Sharks are in seventh. Could I see them finishing in sixth? Maybe if they had their two best young players signed to contracts, maybe, but they don't. So they're going to come back cold and not be as effective. They're in seventh. In sixth, I have the Canucks. I I think the Canucks are just too much of a wild card. I think on paper, they're more talented than the Kraken. And on, on, on talent alone, I think they're probably a marginal, they're probably a playoff team on paper. But I just don't know what to expect from them. So I think the safe bet is putting them below the Kraken, who I have in fifth. I don't think the Kraken are going to be a division team. I think they're going to take a, you know, probably like a 10-point setback and really battle for a wildcard spot. Um, and that means the Flames are in fourth. I think they're going to have a resurgence. I think they find themselves in a wildcard spot. They changed up their coach when Daryl Sutter was dragging them down. They're going to get a motivated and sort of energized um, Huberdeau, motivated, energized Kadri. Uyghur will have a better second season, and hopefully Markstrom is not Swiss cheese. And just a, con- a collection of all those things, I think, sees them have a much better season mm-hmm. and then the top three i think are the sack same except i think the oilers are going to win the nets are going to come in second and the kings are going to come in third really i think either of those two teams can win the division i think the kings are penciled in to be the third best team and the the talent gap between the first three and the rest are bigger in this division i think for any other one actually that's not true the central exists but not a bad list honestly at edmonton edmonton knights one two i think that's pretty simple um i'm gonna say the canucks come in third honestly Ooh. Petey's a superstar now. He might be able to carry that team. Top six is really good. Like Kuzmenko, Kuzmenko can score on its own. JT Miller with all the controversy, still a great player. They finally have like some, like what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're solid at captain now. Like mm-hmm. there's some, there I, I stability. Stability. That's the word I'm looking for. Some stability with the captaincy. Demko's gonna be healthy again, mm-hmm. right? They're gonna finally have a good goalie. That means LA finishes fourth for me. Interesting. And, and unfortunately, that means the Flames finish fifth. Yeah. I, the Flames are just lacking that top number one player yeah. that can get you a goal because Huberto is just not that guy at age 32. Like, he's just not that guy. And then six, seven, eight, easy. Kraken, Sharks, Ducks, or you can go Ducks, Sharks. It doesn't really matter. Fair. Okay. Central. Want to rip it? Does the Central even matter? None of these teams nah, suck. There's it's the easiest division. It's so weird because there's two teams in this in this division that, th- that are two of the top five teams in the NHL, and then the rest of the teams are garbage. Yeah. Like, number one and two are... I, I won't disagree with you if you go Dallas, Colorado. I think it's going to be Colorado, Dallas, just because Colorado, I think, is the best team in yeah. the NHL on paper. And then number three, I'll put the Blues. It's just such a wild card. It's so tough to do. The Blues have a bunch of guys that can score you 20 goals, but no guy that can, like you said, take the bull by the horns. They're not, they're not really scary 
being a cup contender. Um, and then I'll go Minnesota again, team of first round exits every single year. They'll make a wild card, but they won't do anything special. We'll go Nashville at five because that team is just in mediocrity. They have, they were committed to selling. Now they're committed to buying. They have some good pieces. They lost some good pieces. They're going to be playing a lot of division games against a garbage central. So they might be there. And then honestly, six Winnipeg, seven, we'll go Chicago and eight Arizona. Wow. If Arizona at the bottom. Yeah. Okay. I'm a little different. Um, I guess I'll start from the bottom and work my way up. I've got the Hawks in eighth. Yes, they have Bedard, but just the talent around them. Who's gonna, they're going to be at the bottom. Um, I have the Preds in seventh. And we, I slandered them sort of in our offseason episode, just talking about how they, they sold some of their good players and then bought some mediocre old players. Like, I just don't know where they are. I think they're going to have a bad season in seventh. Got the Blues in six. I think they're sort of retooling, but they haven't finished what they started. So unless rosters change dramatically before the start of the season, I think they're just going to be kind of mid. Then I have the Coyotes in fifth competing for a wild card spot. I think they're young, they're hungry, and they have nothing to lose, and that's dangerous. Then I have the Jets in fourth, the Wild in third, um, which is the same as last season. Um, and then my order at the top is a little different. I think the Stars are going to win the division. There was only a point, a point or two difference between them last season, not much there. I think the Abs are going to start to take, again, a similar approach to the Lightning where they just... Let's just get a safe division spot. We don't need to run away with the President's Trophy. Let's make sure we're healthy. And then the playoffs, we batter teams. I think that's how it's going to play out. I still think the Avs are the better team in the Central. I just think the Stars will win. Stars are good, though. Eastern yeah. Conference final, like, they're built to win. They're great everywhere. I expect that team to they're go deep. Real. Yeah. And they have Duchesne. I like it. Okay. I was... I feel like we talked, we got a lot of things covered in an hour and like 25 minutes. Yeah, we were supposed to talk about um, trophy predictions too, but we got a little we'll bit late. It. So we'll save it for next episode. I think it'll be a good way to start the season. That'll probably be when yeah. the season well, starts. It'll with. only be like a few games in yeah. by the time the next one's out anyway. Matthews will have seven goals already. And you can, I can have more corroboration for, my, for my Rocket Richard winner. Mm. Tease that one a little okay. bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But like uh, other than that, we had some hot takes. One guy loves the Ottawa Senators, one guy realizes they're garbage. But we'll see how that realizes. <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. We had a couple new bets um, that we're making, so we'll see how that plays out. And you have any other words? Last words before we finish? Go sends go. I can't oh believe I just said that. That's gosh. crazy. Delete that, Christian. Oh my Christian, please gosh. Delete that. Bleep it out. Bleep oh it my out. gosh. That's okay, crazy. We'll I'm end sorry. off on that note. We'll see you guys in a few see weeks. See you in a few weeks. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Upon Further Review podcast. We'll see you all next week.